0: Thank you so much for coming. Um, we're just going to do an introduction to. Um, come on in. <laughs> no worries. There is um, um, hot water for tea or iced coffee and hot coffee. Please, please feel free to get that if you'd like it. Um, so we're just going to look at introduction to James just to get our um, our I guess feet wet or get excited about it. Um, And, um, and then we'll dive in the next time we meet, which is the first Monday in October, we'll meet and we'll be looking at James first one through 11. So there are, um, three books I want to share with you. And they're about faith. One is a grace disguised by Gerald, Gerald Sitzer. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it or seen it, but I've read it and I've given it to anyone that's, I gave it to my best friend whose son committed suicide. It's, um, it's, and I just want to read a little bit on the, back because, um, I don't know when you, when you get saved, there's some trials that are thrown at you. And then there's other trials that you're like, you just don't know how to get through it. And so, um, these are really good besides the Bible. The Bible is number one, but this I highly recommend. And it says, um, it's a true story. It's his story. Um, how the soul grows through loss, a grace disguised. Oh guys, sorry. Can't see anything. loss came suddenly for Gerald Sitzer. In an instant, a tragic accident claimed three generations of his family, his mother, his wife, and his young daughter. Uh, They were homeschooling family, and they went to a powwow, like an Indian powwow, and um, on the way home, uh, they got hit by a drunk driver. While most of us will not experience loss in such a catastrophic form, all of us will taste it, and we can if we choose. Know as well the grace that transforms it. A grace disguise plums the depths of our sorrows, whether due to illness, divorce, or the loss of someone we love. The circumstances are not important. What we do with those circumstances, circumstances is, in coming to the end of ourselves, we can come to the beginning of a new life. One marked by spiritual depth, joy, compassion, and a deeper appreciation of simple blessings. So I just wanted to share that book with you. Um, and another one called The North Face of God by Ken Geyer. And Faith in the Night Seasons by Nancy Misler that's like a heady one, but it's really, really good um, for just struggling some of these really um, difficult, uh, like I said, um, uh, my, when I gave it to my best friend, she she just thanked me this week for this book, how much it's really helped her um, walk in through the loss of her son. All right, two quotes: "Real faith is not feeling, not seeing, not understanding, not knowing but still trusting in God. Faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. Whenever we get serious about growing in our faith, the enemy gets serious about opposing us. In in saying yes to the Lord, I don't get up here. This is not my thing. My husband is a theologian. I go before the Lord, and I have a burden for women um, to just grow and and choose Jesus and choose his word and to do it right, you know what I mean i I am burdened that you don't that you succeed, that you're not stumbling and falling, so that's the only reason why I'm up here is God said, I want you to do this, and I'm like, oh, okay, so <laughs> um, but of course, you know whenever you're starting to teach about something, the Lord lets you walk through some trials, so I had some um interesting trial um I am not um I'm one of those girls that had a lot of change growing up. Some of you were here for my testimony early on and um when I shared and I don't like change. I'm one of those girls that I thought, oh we'll get married and we'll we'll buy a house and we'll stay in the house till we die. You know my kids will go to that school and they'll go to that only school and they'll graduate from that school. That is not what happened at all. There's been lots of changes and change keeps coming and, um, God is asking me, how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to look to the world, how they deal with it? And, or are you going to come to me, you know, during the change? Cause it's like, I, I feel like some trials just smack you in the face. You're, you're not, you know, there's no loss. There's no something. It's not a bad thing. There's no bad things. There's some wonderful things happening. My two daughters got married 11 weeks apart They married godly men who I've prayed and prayed and prayed for. They bought homes here near me. They didn't go to Texas or back to Oregon. I mean, God is doing good things, you know, so what is wrong with me? So it's sometimes God just snacks you with a trial that you're like, what, what, what?" you know? So, so it was, it's because of, um, he just wants us to grow. So whenever we get serious about growing in our faith, the enemy gets serious about opposing us. So be ready, ladies. There are 50 imperatives in the book of James, and an imperative is a crucial, vital importance. So we want to remember that as we're studying this book. This book is about maturing. They simply were not growing up. Without the proper response to failure, we never grow up. We just age. I thought that was really good. We need to wait on the Lord. How many of us, when something's happening, runs and calls, you know, our girlfriend or, you know, tells our spouse, which are good things. But do we ever sit, sit to the Lord, cry out to the Lord? Do we, are we, are we first going to people where we can get the feedback and God's just going, gosh, I wish they would just come to me. So we need to wait on him and trust him and and be reminded to go to him because he's faithful to answer. Okay. So who was James? He was a servant of God, He was the half-brother of Jesus. He was not saved. He did not believe in Jesus during Jesus' earthly ministry. After Jesus died, he appeared to James after the resurrection, and that's when James believed. This convinced James that Jesus was truly his Savior. He then, in turn, shared his knowledge with others. James became a leader in the church in Jerusalem. Paul called him a pillar in Galatians 2.9. What kind of man was James? He must have been a deeply spiritual man to gain the leadership of the Jerusalem church in such a short time. So he was respected. 1 Corinthians nine five suggested that he was a married man. He was a man of prayer. That explains the emphasis on prayer in this letter in James. It was said that he prayed so much that his knees were as camels. I read that, and I read it again, and I was like, ouch. My knees are pretty soft. They are not like camels. I've never touched a camel knee. But uh, they look like they're, they would be very hard. He was a Jew reared in the tradition and the law of Moses. He led the church in Jerusalem during a very difficult time, a time of transition. They were saved people, but they were still in the shadows of the law, moving into the bright light of God's grace. To whom did, Jesus, did James write? To the 12 tribes that were scattered abroad. He wrote to the Jews living outside of the land of the Palestines. The term 12 tribes can only mean the people of Israel, the Jewish nation. The fact that many Jews lived outside their promised land is evidence of the spiritual decline. When the Jewish believers were scattered at the first wave of of persecution in Acts 8, 1 and 4, it was really the sowing of the seed in many places. Being Jews, they would be rejected by Gentiles. But being Christian Jews, they would be rejected by their own people, by their own countrymen which had to be very difficult. Why did James write? As you read James, you discover that those Jewish Christians were having some problems in their personal life and in their church fellowship. For one thing, they were going through difficult testing. They were also facing temptations to sin. One of the major problems in the church was failure on the part of many to live what they professed to believe. The tongue was a serious problem to the point of creating wars and divisions in the assembly. Some were straying away from the Lord and the church. As we review the list, these lists of problems, it doesn't seem very different from our problems today, does it? All of these problems had a common cause, and that was spiritual immaturity. These Christians were simply not growing up. The word perfect, perfect is used several times, a word that means mature and complete, not without sin. Okay, make sure you know that, not without sin, because we are, you know... We, we won't be like that till we're in heaven. Mature and complete. By perfect, he, he doesn't mean a sinless man, but rather one who is mature, complete, become balanced, and grown up. Spiritual maturity is one of the greatest needs in the churches today. God is looking for women and men to carry on his work. And sometimes all he can find are little children who cannot even get along with each other. Let me repeat that. God is looking for mature men and women to carry on his work. And sometimes all he can find are little children who cannot even get along with each other. That breaks my heart. Like, the world is supposed to know us by our love. And we can't even get along with one another. So that's not speaking love to anybody. It should break your heart, you know. The five chapters of this letter suggest the five marks of a mature Christian. Chapter one. She is patient and testing. That's not that's not an easy one. I remember um, when the girls were little. Uh, for me, it was the hardest season was going from no children to one child because all of a sudden, I had this little life that I was responsible for and keeping her alive and fed and trying to stop her from crying and finding out why she was crying and and he left and went to work and here I was with this little life to you know, and trying to figure out how, when to get a shower. Like some, I remember what sometimes my goal was like, just get a shower before he gets home for, from work. That was, that would be my goal. But as the girls got older, um, I just really struggled in, come on in. <laughs> um, I just really struggled with being patient because we live in a world that just is like, um, everything's fast. You know, we have everything and and it's getting worse with our phones and technology. It's like, everything's just quick. And now, and I remember the Lord, um, really wanted me to be patient with these three little girls. And so the Lord, I really feel Now you guys might say, Oh, that's terrible. But I really feel like the Lord kept giving us lice to teach me a lesson. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was a rough, I mean, I literally would be bawling because I was like, Oh, my gosh, why does this keep happening? I mean, I was almost, I was close to shaving us all bald. Um, but I know it was the Lord saying, I want you to be patient, slow down. The season will be gone before you know it. And I know you, you you moms with young children have probably heard that, and you're probably rolling your eyes at me. But, God, do I wish I would have slowed down when they were little. And during that season, when he was teaching me patience, because I really needed to learn patience just among these three little people who were looking at me to feed them, clothe them, get them through the day, like, play with them, play babies. How do you play babies when you're 30? You know what I mean? Like, how do you do dress up? You know, you curl their hair. I'm, I'd fix their hair. i fix their outfit. And I'm like, okay, you good. But no, they wanted me to play, you know, so I just, I just, anyway, so the Lord will use anything to teach us to be patient, and I'm telling you, I, 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 we would go through that trial, and I would do it to a T, because being a nurse, I was like, okay, all the toys are going up, every stuffed animal's getting bagged, all the sheets would get washed, and I mean, Gina was there through through the process, I'm like, you better check Tommy's hair again. (laughs) We never, us adults never got it, but my my girls kept getting it, and I just was like, okay, Lord, what what am I not learning, you know? And so I, I just, you know, he'll use anything to teach you to slow down and um and and teach you patience. So that's chapter one we're gonna be looking at. She is patient in testing. Chapter two, she practices the truth. Chapter three, she has power over her tongue. Ooh. That's a tough one, right? Chapter four, she is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. Chapter five, she is prayerful in troubles. So ladies, I just want to applaud you because you chose to come here tonight. You chose to take time out of your busy lives. You came, you chose to sign up and you're here and you're, you want to study God's word. So I just, I want to, um, I'm just applauding you because I'm very excited, and I think it's, it's hard to take time out of our lives, and I know you're all busy. We all wear many hats, and, um, you know, whenever you want to seek the Lord, the, the enemy wants to, you know, push you back. So um, without the perfect work of Christ, there could be no perfecting of the believers, so thank you, Jesus. How can we get the most out of this study? Since the theme is spiritual maturity, we must begin by examining our own hearts to see where we are in the Christian life. First of all, it's essential that we're born again. Um, And if we have been born again, then it is second essential for getting the most out of what James has written. We must honestly examine our lives in the light of God's word. James compares the Bible to a mirror in chapter 1, verse 22. So sometimes you can read it and you're, you know, it is like looking at a mirror, you're like, oh, gosh. You know, when you're having your devotions, it like just speaks right to your heart. I love it when God does that because he's doing a work. As we study the word, we are looking into a divine mirror and seeing ourselves as we really are. But James warns us that we must be honest about what we see and not merely glance at the image and walk away. This leads to the third essential. We must obey what God teaches us no matter what the cost. We must be doers of the word, not just hearers. It's easy to attend a Bible study, share the lesson, and discuss it. But what's more difficult is living it out in the world, going out and practicing what we've learned. The blessing doesn't come in studying the word, but in doing the word. The fourth essential is that we are to be prepared for some extra trials and testing. Whenever we're serious about spiritual growth, the enemy gets serious about opposing us. And he does. So he's not real happy with any of us right now. And that's okay, because our Jesus is bigger. The real examinations in the Bible study come in the school of life, not in the classroom. So it's not going to come here tonight. It's going to come tomorrow when we go to work or when we deal with our families or whatever's around the corner. There may come a time in this study when you decide, I am not going back. It is just too dangerous. I started this, and now there's this trial and that trial. Satan may turn up the heat. And make things difficult for you, and you may want to retreat. But don't do it. Don't give him that satisfaction. When, he, when the time arrives, you'll be on the verge of a new and wonderful blessings in your life. A thrilling new step of maturity. Even if Satan turns up the heat, your Father in heaven keeps his almighty hand on that thermostat. Remember, no matter what it is we're walking through, God is always, he's always got his hand on it. And you need to, we just need to keep trusting him to get us through it, to get us to the other side, how we should handle it, how we should walk through it, and not allow him to cripple us, make us stay at home and be isolated, because we're all in this together. Like, don't ever feel like you, you're all alone. You know, you, we have each other, and I think that's what sisters should be, encouraging one another, pray for one another, you know. It's easy, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, how are you, good? <laughs> how are you, good? when we're not good, <laughs> when we might've had a bad day or a bad week or got some bad news or whatever it might be, you know, um, even physical maturity is not always an easy, pleasant experience. I remember, um, uh, you know, my daughter, uh, would get, um, leg pains in the night because her body, she's her legs were growing and she would wake up crying, you know, with pain in her legs. And I would just put her in the warm tub and, A warm, hot bath, and I I think, you know, even physical growth is not easy. The teenager walking that difficult bridge from childhood to adulthood has her frustrations and failures, but if she keeps going and growing, she eventually enters a wonderful life of maturity. Christian growth is not automatic. That would be real easy, as is physical growth, where it just happens, we can't stop it. Christian growth, we need to work at it. We need to be having our devotions every day. We need to be coming to church. We need to be um, getting involved. Um, Christian maturity is something we must work at. So don't give up. Finally, we must measure our spiritual growth by the Word of God. Do not measure yourself against other Christians, but by the Word of God. It's easy to look at, you know, your friend. Why is she? Why is this so easy for her? How how can she just walk through that trial so easy or? How's, how come her life's so good? But we really, ladies, we really don't know what's going on in our sister's lives. We really don't know what their battle is or what their struggle is, you know. We've got to remember that and not be so quick to think that their life is better than ours or that it's, you know, they got the better whatever. Not everyone who grows old grows up. Not everyone, I'm going to repeat that, not everyone who grows old Grows up. There's a difference between age and maturity. Just because a Christian has been saved for 10 or 20 years doesn't guarantee that she is mature in the Lord. Mature Christians are stable Christians, productive, faithful, stable, useful um, Christians who help encourage others who are um, building up their local church. So as we study James together with God's help, we will learn to mature together. Right? So, that's just my introduction, Um, and because we don't have table time tonight where we're going to be looking at questions because we uh, just did the introduction, I just have some questions that you guys are going to ask each other, okay? So, let me just get to them. Hmm. My aunt just texted me, don't forget the nighttime pills. Well, I'm not with grandmom tonight, so that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> so she must meet.